Chapter Five of On Respiration in Parva Naturalia by Aristotle, translated by William Alexander Hammond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Chapter Five. The theory of circular push described in the Timaeus gives no explanation whatever of the way in which heat is maintained in animals other than man whether the preservation of heat in the various animals is due to the same or different causes for if the phenomenon of respiration is found in land animals alone we must explain why they alone breathe if however it occurs in other animals also but by a different process assuming that they can all respire we must find an explanation for the difference in process furthermore the whole manner of explaining the phenomenon is fanciful for plato says that by the issuance of hot air from the mouth the surrounding air is pushed forward and is transmitted through the pores of the flesh and rests at the point from which the internal hot air issued these elements thus affect a complementary displacement owing to the fact that a vacuum is impossible in the same way the inhaled air in turn when heated is discharged and the warm air within issuing out through the mouth continues this quote, circular push close quote. and so this process which is inspiration and expiration goes constantly on the logical consequence of the theory is that expiration precedes inspiration whereas the opposite is the fact as the following proves the two things are correlated phenomena now man's last act is expiration consequently inspiration must form the beginning further the end which these processes i mean inspiration and expiration subserve in the animal body is not taken into account at all by the philosophers who advocate this theory they treat them merely as unessential phenomena we see however that they are the master factors in life and death for when a breathing animal is unable to respire at that moment death ensues further it is absurd to suppose that the issue of hot air through the mouth and the entrance of air again by the mouth should be observable by us whereas the entrance of the breath into the thorax and its discharge should not be observable it is also strange that respiration should mean the introduction of heat observation shows the contrary for expired air is hot whereas inspired air is cool and when the atmosphere is warm animals pant in respiring and they draw their breath frequently because the entering air does not adequately cool them chapter six we must also reject the theory that the purpose of respiration is nutrition which presupposes the feeding of internal heat by means of the breath according to this view inspiration is similar to throwing fuel on a fire and expiration follows when the fire is fed we again urge the same objections to this theory as we did to the theories enumerated above the same process or something analogous to it should be found in all animals for they all have vital heat in the next place the advocates of this theory should explain how heat is generated out of the breath the whole view is fanciful 
according to our observation generation of heat is due much rather to food a further consequence of their theory is that food is received and excrement discharged at the same orifice which is not seen in any other instance chapter seven empedocles also has a theory of respiration although he does not explain the purpose of respiration nor does he say definitely whether all animals are endowed with respiration or not in treating of respiration through the nostrils he fancies he is dealing with the main factor in this process he is here mistaken for there is respiration through the windpipe which leads from the chest as well as respiration through the nostrils and without a windpipe the nostrils themselves could not respire at all animals may even be deprived of respiration through the nostrils and suffer no harm but if the use of the windpipe is shut off they die in certain animals indeed respiration through the nostrils is employed by nature for the secondary function of smell although almost all animals are endowed with the sense of smell they do not all employ the same organ for this purpose on this subject however we have spoken elsewhere more in detail empedocles asserts that inspiration and expiration take place through particular veins in which there is blood although they are not entirely filled with blood and that these veins are provided with channels that lead into the outer air channels which are too minute for the admission of crass matter but large enough for air now the blood is so constituted as to move up and down and after its downward motion the air streams in and inspiration takes place on its upward motion expiration into the outer air ensues a process which resembles what we observe in the clepsydra thus all things breathe and breathe out air again long bloodless tubes the body's surface reach and at their close-packed vents are nostrils fixed pierced through and so a passageway is cut for air while yet the blood is hidden held when yielding blood along these channels ebbs then bursts the surging air with tempest's wave within but when the blood rebounds the air is then expired again as one may see a child with smooth bronze water clock at play upon her comely hand she sets the tube and dips it in the yielding water's sheen of which no drop slips in the vessel's form upon the close-packed vents the air doth press within until the maid her hand removes and frees the urgent stream which entrance makes whose even flow drives back the yielding air so too when air the water full free flow hath filled the deep bronze tube and made in hand the passage firm hath blocked then doth the air the eager outer air the vents make fast and hold in its restraint the inner stream whose waters at the narrow gates complain until the maiden lifts her hand and now is true the converse of what was before the air flows in the water's equal stream flows out thus also tis with fluent blood that coursing through our limbs now hurries back to inner depths and straightway air pours in with surging swell again the blood returns from its retreat then forthwith yields the air 
exhaled once more in nature's even course these are his words on the subject of respiration as we have already said animals that visibly respire do so by means of the windpipe as well as by means of the mouth and nostrils now if empedocles is speaking of respiration in this sense we must inquire how far his explanation harmonizes with the facts apparently the facts contradict his theory for in inspiration the receptacle is expanded like a brazier's bellows expansion however is naturally explained by heat and by blood which takes the place of heat but it is not explained by air in the theory of empedocles in expiration on the other hand contraction and collapse take place as in the bellows excepting that the cases are not quite parallel in this respect viz the bellows do not admit and discharge air by the same orifice whereas in inspiration and expiration the same orifice is used if however he is here referring merely to respiration through the nostrils he is quite wrong for respiration is not a function which is peculiar to the nostrils on the contrary along the passage near the uvula at the extreme end of the roof of the mouth part of the air passes here through the openings of the nostrils and part of it through the mouth and this applies equally to inspiration and expiration chapter eight it was said above that life and the possession of soul are accompanied by a certain degree of heat for even the process of concoction by which food is prepared for animal life cannot be accomplished without soul and heat all this is effected by fire consequently such a fundamental process as this must be situated in the primary region of the body and in the primary organ of this region and here it is that we must look for this elementary nutritive soul this is the middle region between the orifice for admitting food and that for discharging excrement in bloodless animals the primary organ has no name in sanguineous animals it is the heart the food out of which animal members are generated is the blood the blood and blood vessels must have the same starting point for the one as vessel and receptacle exists for the other the originating point for these vessels in sanguineous animals is the heart they do not traverse the heart they all issue from it and are attached to it as is evident from dissection now the other functions of the soul cannot be performed independently of the nutritive principle the reason for which has been stated in the treatise on the soul and the nutritive principle in turn cannot subsist without natural heat for it is through natural heat that nature has endowed the nutritive principle with warmth fire may be destroyed as we said before in two ways by extinction and by exhaustion extinction is effected by opposing forces consequently even when the fire is massed it may be extinguished by environing cold and when scattered it is more easily quenched this extinction by external force applies to animal heat as well as to inanimate fire for animals die when dismembered by instruments or when congealed by excessive cold 
exhaustion on the other hand follows from excessive heat for if the surrounding heat is great and the internal supply of fuel is not maintained the fire ceases to burn not from extinction by cold but from exhaustion consequently there must be some cooling process if survival is to be attained for this comes to the rescue and prevents extinction chapter nine some animals are aquatic and others have their existence on the dry land in the case of the very small and bloodless specimens of both classes the cooling produced by their surroundings whether air or water is adequate to protect them against the above-mentioned extinction for being endowed with little heat they need little protection animals of this kind are consequently in the rule short-lived for a slight change on one side or the other destroys the balance the longer-lived insects which like all insects are bloodless have a fissure just below the middle part in order that cooling may be effected through the membrane which at this point is very thin for inasmuch as they have more heat they have more need of cooling bees for example some of which live as long as seven years and the other insects that hum such as wasps cockchafers and locusts belong to this class they produce this noise by their breath as if by panting as the natural breathing within rises and falls it produces friction against the membrane in the middle region for insects keep this region in motion just as animals that breathe the outer air maintain motion by their lungs or fishes by their gills this motion is similar to what would take place if one should suffocate a respiring animal by holding its mouth for then this swelling movement would be produced by the lungs in the latter case however such motion is inadequate for cooling although it is adequate in the case of insects by means of friction against a membrane they produce a humming noise as we said in much the same way as children make a noise through a perforated reed after stretching a thin membrane in it and it is in this way too that the singing locusts produce their song they possess greater heat than other varieties and have a fissure in the middle region in the songless locusts this fissure is lacking sanguineous animals endowed with lungs that contain little blood and are spongy can live a long time without respiration because the lungs are capable of great expansion containing as they do little blood or fluid consequently their own peculiar motion is adequate for cooling through a considerable period finally however it is unable to continue this and without respiration it suffocates as we said before that form of exhaustion which consists in destruction through lack of cooling is called suffocation and animals that die in this way are said to be suffocated we have already remarked that insects do not respire one can observe this plainly in the case of small insects such as flies and bees for they can swim a long time in a liquid provided it is not too hot or too cold and yet animals which have less strength require more frequent respiration they are destroyed however and are suffocated as we say when the belly is filled with water and the heat of the middle region quenched 
from this we can understand how it is that such insects get up again after being covered for some time with warm ashes we also observe that bloodless aquatic animals live in the air longer than do sanguineous animals that take in sea-water as the fishes for the former have little heat and consequently the air is adequate to cool them for a considerable time as is the case with crustaceas and polyps and yet it is finally inadequate for life because they possess little heat for even fishes are often dug out of the earth and found to be living although motionless animals that are endowed either with no lungs at all or with lungs containing little blood need the least frequent respiration end of chapter nine recording in memory of mitchell edwards